0: Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Over the last couple months, uh, you probably heard some of the interviews that I did with Pastor Alan Shelby, Dean of LFBI, over the subject of the KJV. And we investigated uh, both the internal, that means the, the biblical evidence for why we believe in a preserved translation of God's word, but also the external evidence. We discussed the history behind the King James and why we can trust that the process of translation was superintended by the Lord. And so in those episodes, uh, we talked about a lot, and we went pretty deep, pretty fast. And that's why I'm so thankful for the PS Plus. Uh, Van Sneed is the host of that show, and he's taking time even right now to go deeper into some of the subject matter that Alan and I addressed in those episodes and talk about specific doctrinal ideas and concepts. Uh, He's using logic and reason, but he's using God's Word uh, to illuminate certain things that I think are really important to this subject matter which is also why i decided to have him on the show today and so today i will have van sneed who is a teaching elder at living faith lee summit and uh also a student here at lfbi Uh, he's going to be hanging out with us and discussing the kjv and we're going to talk about it in practical terms the the conversation today will be very practical and inspirational and hopefully uh will be illuminating for you as well and with that i want to say hello hello there van how's it going it's good, man. Good. It's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Before we get into it, I, I do want to just ask, how's the PS Plus
1: been? Like, has that been good for you? And what's it been like? What's the feedback been like? It's it's good. Um, it's, I I said it off camera, it's a lot less fancy than the setup that we have here. I, I record in my closet <laughs> randomly, like on a Tuesday evening after the kids go to bed. Right. So uh, it's been good. It's been challenging to... Think about just all of the information that we kind of take for granted, mm-hmm. and then having to stop and parse it in a way that's digestible. So that's been a good exercise, and I, I have gotten some good feedback. There is a there's a guy in our church who was getting some really challenging questions about how it is that we divide the Bible, mm-hmm. and he said he kind of Netflix binge listened the dispensation series yeah. on his w- way out to his uh, college, and so that was that was pretty neat to hear. That's good. Yeah. Um, You know
0: one of the things that i think is really good about the the ps plus is that those things that we do kind of take for granted in the dialogue on on the postscript on the interviews that we kind of have to just gloss over uh you're taking the time to investigate those further to make it easier for people to understand if if maybe they don't understand a word or a phrase Mm -hmm. or a concept and so that's been really valuable the feedback for me has been great well praise the lord man yeah And uh, by the way, it, we need to, we need to also get footage of you in the closet. <laughs> so we need to get, you know, if we could get that on YouTube, uh, that's the next step for the PS
1: Plus. I think that, I don't think that'd be a great idea because I can never get comfortable enough. And so it's like, you know, the, the shorts that you don't wear except yeah. outside of, you know, you, you wear them inside your house and it, it's, it's not my most dignified moment <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um, well, anyway, we appreciate it, and
0: uh, in the series that you're in right now, as you're recapping the the King the King James episodes that I, that I did with Alan, yeah. and that's been really great and uh, hopefully um, beneficial to people. So I, I want us to talk maybe just personally mm-hmm. uh, about how we came in in contact with the King James, sure. and uh, hopefully that'll you know shed some light on why we find it to be so important, this topic to be so important. Yeah, so yeah. for for me. Uh, I grew up going to churches that were very akin to the one that I'm in now. Uh, that were very similar to Midtown Baptist Temple. In fact, every single church that I've ever been in has been a Baptist Temple. <laughs> and I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Like that was just God, because you know I was rebellious and wandering, and I just always found myself. Uh, it was Blue Ridge Baptist Temple, mm-hmm. Kansas City Baptist Temple, and now Midtown Baptist Temple, yeah. which is bizarre. But the uh, the King James has always been a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I kind of took it for granted until I, I, I actually started pursuing Christ and wanting to know more about his word. And so it's always kind of been a part of my life, but that's not actually true for you. right? Uh, for you, it's, a, it's something that you came in contact with later in
1: life. Maybe you can share a little bit of your sure. story and how you came to be a KJB guy. So uh, when I heard about the Kansas City Baptist Temple, I knew that I did not want to go there because it had the word <laughs> "temple" in it. And uh, the same was true with with Midtown Baptist Temple. What was your What was
0: your thought? Is that's a weird name, man.
1: Yeah. If you if you have never read your Bible, you're like, what the yeah, w- what are they worshiping? Right, in there? It right, can't right, right. A There's temple. a heritage. There's yeah, a heritage yes, of that word. Yes, that most people don't understand. Yeah. yeah, and and me at the time not at all. But yeah. I I grew up Catholic, and you know got saved eventually uh, several years later when I was in a non denominational church, mm-hmm. and I can't recall any particular version that they were using, which I think is indicative that there wasn't any emphasis. On mm. a particular version, right. And so, as I became a member here at MBT and starting getting discipled by Dan Renault, that's when I first kind of encountered uh, the KJV as an issue. Mm. And I we were talking about this just the other day because I remember uh, I came into discipleship and I had to show him this app on my iPhone by Crossway, which are the makers of yeah. the ESV. Right, and Crossway made a dope app. Oh, I, I'm, everything that it's. It's
0: so good. Everything related to ESV is kind of just cooler. It looks great. They've
1: got a lot of uh, yeah. techie young people behind that, yes. that book. The interface was so usable. They right. did such a great job researching. And I said, Dan, look at this thing. Yeah. It's beautiful. And that, that was a serious selling point for the ESV is the ease of use <laughs> of an app. And so in discipleship, you know, you know that, 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 that smile and nod? That yeah. people give you, and they're just like, they want to kind of, you know, burn your face off. But right. They want to be kind and gentle. Yeah, That's-
0: I know that look that Dan gives. He has that look.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But he was very kind and gracious. And he said something recently that, you know, has kind of been passed around our churches, which is we're, we're KJVO, but we're not mad about it. Mm-hmm. And so Dan was very gracious with me and just talking with me through the issues, but also not kind of forcing me. Right to read something um, that I didn't understand the significance of. And that's exactly what it was. I just didn't understand, other than a personal preference, why he was saying, hey, this is the version that we're going to use. Right. So he was very patient. And then randomly, like different story, but it's part of the sequence of events, uh, my dad died later uh, the next year, I believe. Mm. And one of the things that he had was a Cambridge Concord Personal Size King James Bible. Mm. And so it was very sentimental, and I was like, well... I guess if my, you know, disciplers say and read it and now I got this book, I guess I'll, I guess I'll pick it up and that's right. how I got onto it. So, you know, with that, I mean, certainly it wasn't that easy. I, I know
0: how you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a studier. Uh, you're, look, can I be honest for a second? Uh, yeah. You're a nerd. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you don't have to like qualify well, that. Like, I have to qualify it for the audience because okay. I don't want them to think I'm just bashing you. No, but, no, no. But you are a nerd in the, in the, the best sense, okay. You like to study yeah, your yeah. scientific in the way that you think, and mm-hmm. I know that that just the sentimental value of your dad's Bible is probably wasn't sufficient sure. long term for you. Um, and so, you know, h- how is it that you came to a place where you were in agreement with this idea of the King James being the authority? Uh, how did you come to a place where you recognize, no, this is like what were the series? Just some of the highlights, the series of events, the monumental moments that led you to conclusively decide that this is the preserved word of God in the English
1: language? Sure. Well, I think it starts, and one of the things that we place an emphasis on is having a faith-based view of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And if you take a look at just Scripture and how it is that we come to it, those are the only two options. If the Bible has promises, if it has Scripture that says that God's word will be preserved, and a faith-based view of Scripture is believing what God has said about his word. Mm -hmm. And he has said that it will be preserved. So the question is, do I believe that or do I not? And if God has preserved his word, well, then how has he done it? It it can't, you know, Alan, it says something repeatedly that the Bible didn't come to us like hermetically sealed down from heaven, which is kind of what we want. We want like this floating, bible somewhere that casts like came in an alien space. oh man yes and it's all on the news with shaky cam footage yeah like, right that's what we
0: want and we can trust it because it's clean correct and it was delivered from the divine correct in a exactly the way it should be
1: yeah yeah but but god in his providence is able to create perfection from a mess like mm-hmm. we have humans like we're we're mud mm-hmm. in god's spirit you know yeah and yet here we are and so in looking at well, if God has preserved His Word, well, where is it? There is a there's a history, there's a heritage in the particular version that that we're using, yeah, and the fruit that it's produced, and then contrast that with well, now there are proliferation of versions, and some of the arguments for that is well, it's different ways to say the same thing, mm-hmm. and if they all said the same thing and were all aligned, then maybe that argument. I, I could go for that, but the fact is, is that they don't all say the same thing. Right. And in some cases, it's kind of mundane. Some cases, it's like, okay, well, I wouldn't have said it that way. You know. Right. Someday, someone's gonna, you know, have the uh, cool guy language Bible, and it'll have yeet in it. It's a, <laughs> oh, it's probably already out there. And I mean, that's not my personal uh, choice of, right. of of word. Yeah. Uh, nor word to appear in the Bible, but if. But it actually does say something different. Doctrinally speaking, there there are little words and little phrases that are changed. And and so I'm looking at all these and I go, well, these aren't all saying the same thing. They actually are saying different things in yeah, different places. Yeah, different words, different ideas, Absolutely. different definitions, different things. Yeah. And I'm not looking at that as, okay, well, when I believed on Christ and I was reading from an NIV, which is what my grandmother got me and later in mm-hmm. an NLT, that doesn't mean suddenly I'm not Saved, right? Salvation is believing on the death of you on the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. And if it was that someone for some reason could not remember the Romans Road, but were able to articulate exactly what Christ had did according to Scripture, mm-hmm. man, faith is faith and trusting on God. God's gracious to us, right? But from that point, what is the book that's going to allow me to grow and actually have? No questions as to the certainty of the yeah. words that I'm reading, and I found that when I was looking at the Word of God and being preserved in a in a, a cornucopia of translations, I didn't find that to be a logical position. Mm-hmm. And so, listening to what my pastors were teaching me, exploring on my own, I came to the conclusion that I I can trust this book, right. and that's where I landed. Yeah. So you know, with
0: that, we've we've had a lot of conversations before about. I think every generation faces this this controversy differently uh i i think you know in the in the 80s a lot of the seminaries that were baptistic were leaving the king king james behind um and so there was an upheaval in the church Mm -hmm. and there are you know there's a generation of people from the 80s and 90s that that uh had to fight this battle a little bit differently or or stand on this topic a little bit differently now it's now there's you know, hundreds, if not thousands of translations. Um, And it's become so common, so common uh, um, in our generation, culturally, uh, for everybody to just pick and choose what Bible that they want to use and it not be a problem. Uh, But at the same time, there are voices, Mm -hmm. there are voices within cultural Christianity uh, that are in clear opposition to the use of the King James more so the king james only position that mm-hmm. we hold to that, that they're offended by the fact that anybody would say uh, hey um we believe that we have the, cer- the certain words of christ in this version that this book this particular book is the only english version in which god's word has been preserved mm-hmm. that's offensive to people um so who are these people that we're encountering, sure. And what is that? What What are the, some of the things that they're saying? Familiarize us for those who aren't familiar with the people that are on YouTube and, and those that we're encountering, and what and what is it that they're
1: saying, particularly about the King James? Sure. So there are a lot of people um, that represent different types of arguments, and so I, I think two individuals that represent two different types of arguments. Uh, someone like James White. Yeah, um, who is uh, very uh, angry man? He, he's 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 got opinions <laughs> yeah. and fervor behind yes, those opinions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I so, told Brett Bartlett I would
0: love to see Brett Bartlett and James White uh, in a debate. Oh man, that that would be
1: like a a verbal gladiator yeah. bout.
0: It would be combustible.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, I we could pay per view that we could. Yeah, that's a good point. And a whole bunch of independent <laughs> Fundamental Baptists, <laughs> right? you're going like this the whole time right 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 yeah uh, so J- james white um you know he objectively he's super smart and he's done his research into the bible and manuscript evidence in mm-hmm. text and uh, he's forgotten more about the progression of the english language and text than i'll ever learn mm-hmm. um, but his arguments come from a textual position so what yeah. he's looking at is he's looking at well, he reads Greek and he reads Hebrew, and so he's laying that out. And his arguments, I think, are compelling in a lot of ways because manuscript evidence is an incredibly intimidating uh, bit of information and uh, knowledge to to learn and assimilate mm-hmm. and to speak intelligently on. Yeah. it's why this has been so challenging for me is because uh, I I don't have time to learn Greek or Hebrew. Right. I don't. I don't put it past that I could, but I'm not an authority in that area. And so he's speaking from that, and he's talking about the specific manuscripts. Yeah, this parchment, that parchment. He's got all the numbers and the letters memorized, and
0: he he speaks very, very... Uh, in, in a very informed way.
1: Absolutely. Which is persuasive yeah. to young minds. Yeah. Um, and then you have other people. Um, so Mark Ward is a, is a newer kind of person in, in this vein. And rather than speak to the textual issue, he's speaking to uh, the English language. His kind of big push um, is uh, uh, edification requires intelligibility, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that principally he's grabbing from First Corinthians 14. And what he's essentially saying is, well, the English language is different, sufficiently different than it was in 1611 to warrant that we look at it almost as a different language. Mm -hmm. And as such, the people reading the KJV are not able to do so sufficiently in a way that removes all doubt as to what they're reading. And so we need to move on from the KJV to something different. Yeah,
0: which is a... Is the pragmatic approach right right yeah so on one
1: hand you got james white who is
0: persuasive from an intellectual academic background Mm -hmm. and then you have on this hand someone who's very pragmatic in their approach and and they they want to to offer something that's more simplistic
1: yeah but the end result is the kjv is either it was good for what it was and we need to move on or it is like all are which it has errors and Mm you can read it as long as you're aware of it and you don't use it exclusively. Right. And I think that's where that's where the conversation gets interesting for me is because it's not that hey we think you should use a different bible but you're good using yours. It's no we think you should use a different bible and also they all are different and good and bad in their own ways. Yeah. And people that would believe that there are errors in the bible mm. that's 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 where I'm going to take issue.
0: Yeah, so that's the issue is that their premise, no matter how smart, right, or how compelling they are, their arguments are based upon the wrong premise. Mm -hmm. They are not starting uh, with the idea or the concept that God's word is certainly preserved Mm -hmm. because he certainly promised it would be. And so, you know, because they've neglected that idea, it causes them to lean into their own, you
1: know, their own way, yeah. So, so Alan talked about preservation as being kept from corruption, and God keeping His word from corruption, mm-hmm. and that's a faith-based view. Whereas, kind of the the inverse of that, the critical view is that preservation is it's a process of us getting back to what originally was right. there. Like we, the word is preserved by the virtue of the fact that we are able to get closer to the original manuscripts and closer to what God actually intended in mm-hmm. the languages and in the specific writings that themselves are the only thing that are inspired. Mm-hmm. And so it's either a process of us, of our efforts, or it's a process of God and His efforts. Right. And I can't find any biblical evidence where God has told me that I am responsible for keeping from corruption the thing that He has magnified above His name. Right, I, I had a hard time deciding which socks to wear this morning. <laughs> yeah,
0: so but, the idea that human beings would be responsible for making the final determinations about what is and isn't God's word mm-hmm. with certainty is, is troubling. That's a troubling thought to me. And I'm much more comfortable with the idea that human beings in their frailty were used as a conduit, mm-hmm. a vessel to pass on the, the preserved word Uh, of God from generation to generation, and they're just handing it down, and that God's doing the preserving, that that it's God's strong arm that's actually doing all the work. Um, One of the things you mentioned was this uh, idea that, you know, they frame this argument that people should be using something that is more intelligible for our generation in Mm -hmm. in the vernacular of contemporary speech in the English language. And that's a common thing. I mean, most people choose the Bible that they choose for the sake of readability. Was the the King James and the the you know Elizabethan language used within the the pages was that ever a hurdle for you? And then how did you how did you personally overcome the
1: fact that some of these words seem on the surface antiquated? Sure. So so y- yes, and uh, you know I. I did that thing where I was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna roll with the the KJV, but also this ESV app is really pretty and it's really easy to find the verses, so I'll use that too. And like anything, the KJV has a particular cadence and a particular rhythm, Mm -hmm. and that in a lot of times is a reflection of its source material, because Hebrew poetry has a particular cadence and rhythm and sentence structure is different. And so some of what people are bristling against is the language from which the Bible was translated. So mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know, man, like tell God to write in a different language. Or right, yeah. Figure something else out. Right. But part of it is uh, anything is that way. Um, anything is going to take time for you to come to an understanding of what it is. There are always gonna be words in the English language today that are not antiquated, that right. aren't dead words. Uh, my daughter, when she was younger, was not one that knew what to do at the dinner table and not be gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would tell her, Tally Rose, you're being uncouth. Mm -hmm. And so as my son is now growing and he is very uncouth, I'll say, Cade, you're being uncouth. Right. And Cade will go, what's that mean? Yeah. What's that mean? (laughs) That's what he'll say. And my daughter will go, lacking manners or etiquette, really quickly. Because Mm -hmm. she's been taught what uncouth means. Yeah, she learned a word. There it is. And so there are words that we should just learn. Yeah. If you are going into a medical profession, there are words that you need to learn. Lots and lots and lots of words. I can't pronounce, nor do I know exactly what sarcoidosis is. Mm-hmm. But I've heard it a lot on the medical drama. House. Whatever
0: whatever you just said, <laughs> yes. I don't recognize as a word.
1: There it is. <laughs> I can barely say it. Um, but that has a specific meaning. Yeah. And we can't just change it because it's it's hard for me right. to say. Well it actually carries some weight and there's a reason why it's formulated in the way that it is. Sure. There there are other words in the Bible where they don't mean the same thing in today's context and mm-hmm. they meant when the King James translators translated it. Right. And some of the arguments are, well, see, here's a word, you know, he who now letteth will let. Well, that's a conversation that needs to happen. And a good Bible teaching church is going to call out those things in the same way that I would call out things to my daughter because she's a child and she needs to be taught how to grow. Right. There are spiritual children that need mm-hmm. to be discipled. And I think that's a key thing that I've been processing, especially as we've been going through this series, is a lot of the times people that are wanting to abandon the KJV for readability's sake are treating the Bible as if it doesn't get taught or explained in the context of discipleship. Mm-hmm. I didn't get dropped on a desert island with my right. Bible and told to figure it out. Yeah, Actually, people that loved me and cared about me carried me along and invested in me, not just what the Word says, but how it is to parse this particular version of the Word, and discipleship, along with someone who submitted to the Word, well, God can use that. So I don't know what's right. happening in other people's churches, but in the churches that that we are in, we're going to open up the Word, and when we see a word like firmament, yeah, that's a weird word, here is what that means. Right. We don't have to change it. We just need to do some digging or sit under sound biblical teaching through brothers and sisters that love us and we can figure out this Bible. Yeah.
0: It's addressed through just basic concepts of growth. hmm Right. My, my son's 10 and uh, there are words that I use that he doesn't know, but he sits down every night with his King James and reads it. hmm And is he picking up on everything? Probably not. Uh, certainly not. But at the end of the day, if he has a question he can ask, and in time, through context, he'll pick up on stuff on his own, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll become you know, versed in how to read from a King James. And at the end of the day, really, it's not, the differences between the King James and contemporary language aren't that vast.
1: It's not, like, you know, it. sometimes I think people think that this is like KJV, and like Klingon are like right <laughs> there together, and you know Klingon, uh, did, right? No, I I don't. I'm not some, that level of nerd. Some I, I guarantee
0: you know some statements. You I, could make some statements.
1: I know of a of a couple good friends of mine that got that got married and said their vows in Klingon, which was fantastic. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was, it was it was great and weird, but great. Super weird. Yes, but it's the English language. Yeah, like. It's English and so the phrasings are different, but that's always going to happen. Right. And so that's why advocates against, you know, a KJV version are looking at every twenty years, every fifty years, we need a new Bible. And it's like, I mean, I I don't I don't think so. Right. (laughs) I think we're okay. Yeah. Hey,
0: thank you so much for listening to the show. We're gonna pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute.
2: Hi my name is Andy Cardona and I gave my life to the Lord three years ago and I didn't know how to follow the Lord and I was the grace of God plugged in at Midtown Baptist Temple and started doing discipleship and for the first time I learned how I can have a relationship with God and, and, and the importance of knowing his word and every time I would read it I just wanted to know it more and more. Each class that I take is not something that I will never ever use it's something that I As soon as I leave the room or I leave the video chat, I'm able to actually put into practice. It's so much fun to learn the the Word of God. Uh, And I'm so grateful that LFBI was able to provide that environment for me, that culture of of loving the Word of God and learning the Word of God, but doing and applying the Word of God so we are able to have an answer for the lost people.
0: Visit lfbi.org to learn more about Living Faith Bible Institute, what other aspects of the pro KJV idea concept uh, are appealing to you? Like, how how does this work itself out practically, inspirationally in your own personal life when you're studying uh, your approach to the Word? The fact that you hold this position—what differentiates that from the other? the other versions and the approaches that people might take to those? What are the doctrinal differences? What What are the things that are appealing to you about
1: using your King James? Sure, so part of it isn't exclusively to the King James, but but definitely ties into it. It's the nature of the translation, mm-hmm. being a word for word. Translation, yeah. as opposed to a thought for thought translation, right?
0: So we call that formal equivalency, right? Right, and which you'll probably be talking about on one of the PS Plus episodes, yeah, totally, yeah. totally.
1: And so um, that's just you know we've got two languages, we're trying to find the right words to go from one language to another language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember, <laughs> I remember not knowing anything about my Bible and thinking, man, there are just some words that are, I guess more important than other words because they're in italics, so. Like I need right. to read them in such a way that's forceful, that's which is, you know. Do you just like, when you're reading, do you just like yell
0: <laughs> in your I mind as you're well. reading it? You're, you're just so, saying it
1: with like an accent. So I, I, I just happened to be on, in Genesis chapter one, uh, verse 10, and God called the dry land, earth and gathered <laughs> together the waters called he seas, and God and saw that it was good. Like, I, don't, right, I was like, right. what, how do I emphasize this? Uh, but then learning, oh, these, oh, gotcha. That's really honest. Yeah. When 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 we come to uh, languages, nothing goes perfectly from one language to another language. Mm-hmm. And when there are words that need to be added in order to keep the sense that is clearly communicated by the words, these expert translators said, "Let's not be uh, ambiguous. Let's be very clear." Yeah. These were added. Yeah. Uh, in in the event that I have had questions as to well what was what was there and what wasn't? Th- this is the translator saying we want to be as open and honest as possible. Mm-hmm. That was very appealing to me um, in contrast uh, we we will end up talking about it on on the podcast, but a a dynamic equivalent translation, a thought for thought translation. once I started understanding what that was and what it actually meant, um, it was not exactly what I thought it was, and not for the better, so it's not just. You know the individual words. Oh, they're not so important. It's just the thoughts. Mm-hmm. But it's the the kind of uh, propagator of the dynamic equivalence version. This guy's name is Eugene Nida, mm-hmm. and what he came to is he wants the context of the message to be understood for today's hearers in essentially an equivalent way to the original hearers, which means that there's some interpretive license that has to be taken in order to achieve that. Right. And so if he's translating it for people in some unreached group that don't have arid deserts and palm trees, well, let's make them different trees Mm -hmm. because we wanna have things that people there understand. Yeah, that's the extreme of it, yeah. Right, but I want to believe that a God who spoke the universe into existence knew exactly the geography
0: he could foresee 2021 yeah you know rural america yeah it's not yeah god wants to communicate his word but the thing is about dynamic equivalency is it also leaves a lot of space for the interpreter to interject their perspectives and opinions and so suddenly it puts man in the driver's seat uh oh let me explain let me explain to you what Mm -hmm. god meant yeah and uh and to do that from a place of of
1: personal opinion and not authority. And there there are quotes where Nida is essentially saying as much like, there has to be interpretation. Mm -hmm. So there are some things in the Bible that are ambiguous. And if you have essentially a philosophy that says interpretation is necessary, then there might be room to try and connect those dots where we shouldn't, where it is kind of ambiguous.
0: Now that you've been a KJV guy uh, for a minute now, Yeah, right, yeah. and uh, you know, one of the things I think is really great about our family of churches and their position with the KJV is the fact that we don't, we're not wearing like drab suits with ties, and uh, the women in our churches aren't wearing denim skirts, <laughs> you know, down to the ground. <laughs> some,
1: and, some, some, some people would probably like a, a just a full on denim skirt in 2021. Though. That's true. It'd be pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the whole, uh,
0: <laughs> you know, uh, the irony of. Of young people is that they always do the thing that is least popular.
1: Nobody's brought back
0: Jinko's yet, but I wish they would. I think there's probably some people wearing <laughs> jingos. Uh, I love that we referenced Jinkos on on this episode. We're we're, we're making
1: it. We're doing. Yeah. It. yeah.
0: Um, so you know we're not we're not the we're not those folks, uh, and I think that surprises a lot of people sometimes. But w- what are some of the challenges that you've discovered, at least in talking with other Christian friends, other people? when you announce the fact that you're a KJV guy? Sure. Like wh- how is that usually received? Because I think a lot of us have, f- have faced pushback, uh, but, but I think it's unique for, again, like every generation faces it in a, in a unique way. So what is it like for people our age to encounter, you know, who are those folks?
1: Yeah. What are they saying? <sighs> you know, so I, I think some, some, some people are just looking at it as antiquated Mm-hmm. Right. And so, in their mind, you know, you're making it harder on yourself by reading something that doesn't seem to be written for you, as right. it were. Um, so, I think that's a challenge. Anytime that you have a view that excludes other things, whatever it is. So, growing up, it's like if, if you had a Super Nintendo entertainment system, well, then that must mean that you hate Sega Genesis. Yeah.
0: Which I, the truth is, for me, I, I did. Yeah, okay, see, i didn't like the chunky
1: controller there, see see there it is yeah, yeah, yeah. there it is yeah. so so i was an snes guy and i thought it was objectively a better system yeah it it was okay yeah. so so there is so so man i'm I'm glad normally we're on slightly different ends of a of a pop culture spectrum no yeah
0: but but i'm glad that we're hip-hop here. and super nintendo yes. we can agree on those things yes there it is so yeah you're right you're right so that that when there's that there's a polarity that suddenly enters into the dialogue, mm-hmm. like. They, someone feels on the outside perhaps, or
1: they get their feathers ruffled by the yeah. concept. If If you say, we believe that we have God's Word preserved in the authorized version then immediately the question is: Was well, what do I have, and what are you saying about me? Mm-hmm. If I have a Sega Genesis, why do you think I'm so dumb? And it's like, bro, I never said that, right? Yeah, <laughs> at all. Right. It's a video game system, and it's got 16 bits, yeah. just like my Sega, right? Or just right. like my my SNS does. But it doesn't have Super Metroid. Man, it doesn't. <laughs> <is> it? <laughs> it doesn't have the 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 Super Scope. Oh yeah, yeah. I never owned a Super Scope, but I, I they got were to see cool. that at the mall, which. Yeah a mall uh, for some of our listeners yeah. and watchers was a place where you could go and waste time. And Yeah, yeah. Those don't really <sighs> exist anymore. No, it doesn't. But there, there, there is kind of an immediate, okay, well if, well, if you're saying that, that you have God's word, or are you saying that I don't have God's word. Mm-hmm. So those conversations are, are always uh, very, very challenging to have and very frustrating to have. Um, I think we talked about this earlier, but just the fact that the conversation of saying we believe that this is God's preserved word, invites the manuscript evidence question, of which uh, many people are just really ill equipped to have. I feel right. very ill equipped to have that conversation. Um, and it's because you're stepping into a circle that is somewhat academic in nature. Mm-hmm. And when you say manuscript and when you say codex, like yeah. these are words that, I mean, they might as well be what people think the KJV is words that we don't normally right. use right. that are archaic. And right. so. That's that. That's a really, really tough conversation uh, mm-hmm. to have for people. Um, and I think the other thing is, oftentimes, some of the people that hold our view do so in an uncharitable way. Right. And it's it's very frustrating to me to see people that will look at what we would believe is true, but then essentially treat it as if they're supposed to preach, you know, manuscript evidence and the KJV as fervently as The gospel, like it's this weird thing, Um, I, I want to stand on the authority that I have, but convincing my my mom that she should read a KJV is like not my primary goal in life. I want to be able to talk intelligently about why it is that I've made the decision. Mm -hmm. If she has questions, I want to talk to her about it. Right. But I'm, I'm not trying to make enemies in that way. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. You would be more pleased
0: just to know that she's following Christ with everything that she has, and and that she has a basic. View of of doctrine that that informs her ministry,
1: yeah. her ministry life. But at the end of the day, you know, if we are reading something, there's a possibility that we're going to come to two different conclusions, right. Based off of the versions not saying the same thing. Yeah. And I I want to always be as gracious as possible, but be able to talk. Well, here here's why you and I are, maybe aren't seeing. Mm-hmm. eye to eye on something is because this thing says something different than, than this thing does. Right. Yeah. yeah. So as time has passed, you've built your hermeneutic
0: around the King James position. In other words, this is the Bible that you use. And so as you learn to study it, obviously there are implications of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can explain some of those implications and, and, and how does the f- fact that you are a King James person...
1: Uh, affect the way that you study and the way that you see divisions in scripture, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. So, it, it's interesting. I, I was I was thinking about you know this, and it's it's part of what I'm <laughs> ruminating on a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Genesis one one, you can actually start right there, and it's it's fascinating. And just to just to clarify, these are kind of on a spectrum, as some that are like, oh, that's different. Some that are, well, that's pretty different. And some that are, hey, we're talking about a very different thing. You mean when comparing versions, versions yeah. things like okay. that. So Genesis 1-1, very familiar. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then, of course, we get to Genesis 1-2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I I think it was when you were talking with Sam about Genesis, we talked a lot about the gap theory yeah, in our episode... Fifty episodes back, now. right, yeah. right, and so there's this understanding that God created everything perfect, and then Genesis one two something is very different. So mm-hmm. what happened? Well, we compare scripture to scripture. We place the fall of Lucifer there in that right. gap, essentially. Right. Yeah, and so what we have is is uh, God created everything perfect, and then suddenly everything wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. What I find neat is taking a look at. Genesis two one. Thus, the heavens and the earth. The heavens, plural. So we mm-hmm. go from heaven to heavens. Right. We see Paul is talking about there being a third heaven that mm-hmm. he was taken up to, implying a second and implying a first. And yeah. what We find is that the word heaven in Genesis one one is actually pretty specific. And could it be that you know the KJV guys just missed an S? Right. Well, I don't think so. Not if God superintended that process. Mm-hmm. So what we see here is that there was a heaven, singular, there was no barrier to God. There was no expanse in which God needed a seat of glass to separate his glory in what's now the third heaven from everything else. Mm-hmm. And yet in most translations, what we see is in the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm looking to make a case for, I don't know, the injection of sin into the universe in eternity past Yeah, with someone that's reading from a different version, well, now we're not going to be aligned there. Right.
0: Yeah. So like something as important as cosmology mm-hmm. in scripture, actually, and in, in, in the example you're using is really good because the cosmology actually informs the narrative of the creation as well as the, the invitation of sin into the world. Mm-hmm. It has major implications but the difference is very minute it's the difference of an s
1: yeah yeah and and even in that i was i was was looking at the passage in second corinthians so so here's what it says uh, inside of a kjv bible i knew a man in christ above 14 years ago whether in the body i cannot tell or whether out of the body i cannot tell god knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven Mm -hmm. so that's in our kjv in the Good News translation, so this is Eugene Nida's dynamic equivalence translation, not gonna good, is it? you're going to love it. Uh, I know a certain Christian man who 14 years ago was snatched up to the highest heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, the highest heaven is the third heaven, but highest isn't the word third. Yeah. I'm the third van right. in my family, so you know there are two more. Right. So... It, it, it's not distinct. Right. Yeah.
0: That's, that also sounds a little Mormon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because there could be five. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, 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 what we're doing here is uh, there is a practical cross referencing of scripture that we lose. Mm-hmm. So you're sensitive to the highest heaven, not the third heaven, and so there's actually some some really uh, key uh, items that right. that I'm missing. Mm, yeah. Yeah.
0: What about um, other other implications? Like you know. Certainly, in words, words affect doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are going to be. We always say that doctrine informs the way that you live, or it should inform the way that you live, sure. right? Uh, so, what are some other areas in which it affects the way you understand Scripture when you're using
1: different versions? Sure. So, I always imagine this in the context of if we were having a Bible study and everyone has their version of choice, mm-hmm. and so we're all going to sit down and we're going to read a passage, and so we're going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18. Which says, Which can, hey, hold on
0: for a second. Yes. You
1: hit a good point, and I want to mention this. Please do. Uh, that,
0: you know, at least in terms of how we conduct Bible study in the College and Young Adult Ministry at Midtown, this, this question comes up a lot. If someone someone shows up with a different version, how do you approach that, right? Yeah. And so what we suggest is always kindness, gentleness, uh, Bible study is probably not the place to debate which version you should be using. That that's a conversation that could be had uh, over coffee, uh, weeks, months later. Uh, but th- it is really important that everybody be on the same page because the because of exactly what we're talking about. And so I think it is important to note that like all of our Bible studies keep extra King James on hand. Yeah. And what they do is they just say, "Hey, I, I know you've got another version." but we're gonna use the same version and, and we're using a King James at our church. And so, and and most people don't bristle at this.
1: Right, and and I think it's because of how it is approached. It's, mm-hmm. we're all using the same version so that we're all talking about the same thing. Yeah, we wanna be unified. Page, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. and so it's, it's, it's very pragmatic in the moment uh, that doesn't need to address all of the doctrinal and things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Lord willing, they keep coming when right. they have that question and outside of the context of, Trying to hear from God in His Word in that way, we can address that yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. So just a side note, but, yeah. but so back to what you were saying. Yeah. So if, if we're if we're all in a circle and we're all reading from the same version, First 1 Corinthians one eighteen, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God, which is like so great. Yeah. It's that that's a mic drop verse. It's yeah. so dope, and yeah. it and it really it does so much to illustrate. The, the power of God to change your life and that we have been saved from all of these things. Christ, Christ did everything for us, it's amazing. Uh, reading from the NIV, for the message of the cross is foolishness to, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Mm. And so can I cross-reference an NIV and see that there are other verses that talk about salvation in a moment, in an instance? Sure. Am I, as a, let's say a new Christian in our hypothetical scenario, is it possible for me to extrapolate that our being saved is a process that isn't finished and that I may not finish depending on whatever factors that I can come up with? Well, that would be a logical conclusion for me to come to. Mm -hmm. So if one version says you are saved and the other version says you are being saved, well, then it invites questions yeah. about what is the nature of salvation? Right? Is it a moment in time or is it something that, God forbid, we have to, to do something yeah. to maintain? Yeah. Right. And so regardless of if that person comes to the right conclusion, just the fact that there's that question inserted right. and it says something different is going to change the paradigm of how it is that one is saved. It's superimposed upon the rest of the context. So you continue
0: reading and you'll have that in your mind, that question stays with you, or you're in another book of the Bible and that question stays with you. It does affect the way that you approach the word, if there is just even a slight variation.
1: Absolutely. And so it's, words mean things, they do. Mm -hmm. And so if the words in the Bible are different, then that's going to mean something different doctrinally. And so I think that's why this issue is such a prickly one is because again, I have a testimony that was I was saved by reading a Bible version that was not a KJV and that sure. doesn't have any implications on my salvation. In the same vein, I wouldn't go back to that Bible. Like if 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 ever I, I know it can't happen, but I sometimes imagine that it can. If ever you see someone that looks just like you, except they're like older or like they have like a wicked scar. That's mm-hmm. you from the future. And you okay. can trust whatever they say. Okay, yes. Instantly. Yeah. Right? Cause You've watched a lot of sitcoms. You can't go back and like off yourself or else grandfather paradox, you can't exist. So if ever yeah. older you, just trust. And I would say, bro, I'm so glad that that you're reading a Bible. Here's the one you should read. That's what I would tell myself. I wouldn't go back and read the version that I got saved out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how would you go about inviting someone
0: to reconsider the Bible that they're using? And this, this has everything to do with, with argumentation, but also uh, invitation, but also approach. Like, how you approach someone has, uh, has a lot to do with whether or not they're willing to receive uh, what you're saying or, or suggesting. Sure. So
1: how would you go about doing that? Well, I think, um, I think when, when you're having a conversation with anyone with whom you disagree the first thing is that you actually have to understand where they are coming from, mm-hmm. which requires a certain level of empathy. And so when I'm looking at and studying why different versions are the way that they are, I, I do actually want to understand from their perspective, even mm-hmm. if the conclusion that I'm going to come to is still disagreeing, which is going to be the conclusion I come to. Yeah. So if someone... Is reading the Bible because they read every version and that was the one that they could understand. Well then you know the nature of the conversation that you should have with them. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say, well, hey, like where are the missing verses in your Bible? That's that's inciting conflict right. where there needs to when there needs to, to be none. And so understanding where they are coming from, um, but also when the opportunity arises and it's appropriate. Being able to have a discussion that's based on things that you can clearly observe and that aren't, um, they aren't colored with your, you know, particular. This is the way that it has to be, and this is a conclusion I've come to. Right. Being able to speak just honestly and openly about the fact that two things that are different aren't the same, and that there are differences, mm-hmm. is the version that you came to because that's what your pastor told you that you should read. Well, praise the Lord, you have someone who's saying you should read any bible um make sure that you are investigating you know the origins make sure that you're understanding uh the reasonings why that pastor is saying this is what I want you to mm-hmm. read and it could be that they're saying this is the most accurate translation that's what that pastor would say okay well how how do you know that like what makes it accurate mm-hmm. in that line of thinking they're going to be the authority that's going to tell you which is good and bad well well clearly you know what you're talking about and and i don't so yeah i gonna let you I'm gonna let you have which that. is what people do with james white right. right like
0: oh you're the smart one it's not any different than the than the priesthood that existed in the catholic church right like well they're the authority and i'm supposed to just kind of go along to get along and and i'll listen to them they get to make the final call because they because they know what they're talking about. They know Latin, or in this case, they know Greek and Hebrew,
1: and so that means that I must be lesser than. And and that's kind of, to go on a tangent and then come back, that's kind of a common theme is that at the end of the day, one of the points of argumentation is a question that will be asked is, well, hey, do you you know Greek? Do you know Hebrew? Mm -hmm. Well, then you don't actually know what's accurate and what's not accurate. Mm And if you are in a line of logic that says that it is up to us to try and figure out what's accurate and what's not accurate, well, then we are wasting our time with this discussion because there are people that are smarter, that are infinitely more studied, and we should listen to what they're saying. But the simple fact of the matter is, what's helped me is that those same individuals oftentimes don't by faith believe that God preserved his own word. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key distinction it's not that I'm saying you should read a King James Bible because it's accurate and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But it's because when you are looking at this book with a faith-based view, then you actually don't, you don't need a scholar. It's helpful. God's okay with scribes. He's got scribes in the Old Testament. Scribes in the New Testament, a little bit different. Yeah, What's the difference? It's not always good. Right, right. <laughs> heart Heart attitude. What's mm-hmm. the way in which you're approaching it? Are you approaching it from a perspective that says that, that God's gonna do the work? And I find that most people even haven't had that conversation about what it is to believe the Bible by faith and believe in the preservation of the Bible by faith. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the, the key element to me more so than, you know, Textus Receptus and Nestle Allen, UBS. Yeah. Cool if you know it, but do you believe that God has kept it? I right. think that's the most important conversation. And I think
0: with people our age and younger, they're so unfamiliar with the arguments. Uh, about the King James. They didn't grow up you know, surrounded by the controversies around the King James that, that people 30 years ago did. And so a lot of times they are much more open to this idea. They're, they aren't as bristly. They're not as prickly about it. Um, they're, they're more open to discuss uh, all of these things that we're talking about. And they, they're willing to begin with without any presumption with the idea that I want to take the Bible as a faith-based you know, proposition. Mm-hmm. I, I want to do that, and so if you you start with that principle and that idea, then everything else begins to fill in. You know,
1: begins to backfill. Yeah, yeah. I it's what's helped me because I I know exactly that I'm going to be deficient in some way in this conversation, and I'll I'll get I'll get more understanding. I'll memorize more facts about things, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to feel that I have everything down, but I'm always going to be confident that if God can save my soul, he can keep his word. Yeah. And if you promise to do so, and I, I just believe it, well, I think we'll be okay.
0: Dude, it's good hanging out. Yeah. Um, looking forward to all the PS Plus episodes that are gonna be coming out. Um, thank you for doing that. Yeah, man. It, it's become such a, a great um, addition
1: to to the Postscript. I'm, I'm glad that uh, me looking uh, crazy in my closet is helping people yes so
0: yeah um and we need to play super nintendo sometime just like a dude night
1: yeah yeah i'm down
0: mega man x uh it's oh gosh what's the one uh oh original mario kart oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's the jam which i still love just destroying my son in some <laughs> mario kart it's a pleasure of my life fantastic to do that. dude i love you love you too dude thanks for hanging out yeah man and we want to thank you as well for hanging out with us for this episode of the Postscript. Hopefully, uh, you know Van and I goofing around talking about the Bible was encouraging to you. We we do want the show to be edifying and and faith building for you. Uh, we didn't get into a lot of the details uh, of of you know the history and the doctrinal things today. Uh, But we want to invite you to take a class that addresses all that stuff. It's called Manuscript Evidence, and you can learn about that at lfbi.org. We will be offering it as a class this spring. It will be with uh, Dr. Alan Shelby, who will be walking through all of the, the depths of this, and you can go on that walk with him, and you'll grow a lot from it. And so if you're interested in this topic and learning more, we would suggest that you check that class out. Uh, all of the spring classes are open. Please consider enrolling for any class. Uh, we offer classes in leadership development uh, from God's Word. We're, we're, we're learning the book uh, and we're using that to inform the, the way we live out our faith. And so we want you to come along with us and, and do that as well. But with that, uh, we love you and we hope to see you again for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.